Welcome to the Community Church Podcast. This is the first week of our new series on parenting and family wisdom called Our Imperfect Family. This will be a short two-week series primarily based in Proverbs. If you'd like to take notes, there's a link for that in the show notes. Thanks for joining us, and without further ado, here's Pastor Mike. You know, none of us have a perfect family, and we understand that. And as a church, we want to be open and say, none of us are going to pretend to have a perfect family. And sometimes you feel like in a church we have to pretend and we have to look good. And no, we want to be a place where we're real, where we talk about our struggles, where we talk about the fact that we are not only all struggling, hopefully we're all learning. Uh, being a healthy family and building a healthy family is hard. And we look at it and say, it's, if anything, it's getting harder because the world's changing. And, and we could say, well, you know, was there a time way back when, when it was easier, when there was kind of almost this TV family? And, and no. Actually, there were problems back then. And, and the answer isn't just going back to the past. That's what some people would say. Others would say, no, well, we need, to, we need to progress and we need to go up with what's going on in our world today. The culture has changed. And we said, well, who's right? Well, and I would come back and I say, I think we need to, to say what we really need is a, a source of truth that transcends time, that transcends culture, something that is relevant and practical, not only for way back when, but that is still today that doesn't change as time changes. And, and I think there is that source of the truth. I, I think that's what the Bible is. God has given us his word, his truth, as a truth that transcends time. And uh, it's, that's, what, you know, that's what God has given us. It's, it, yes, some people would say, yeah, but you know, things have changed, so the culture's changed, or the world's changed, and you didn't have social media in the past. And well, yes, things have changed, but human nature hasn't changed, God hasn't changed, God's truth hasn't changed. Now, the application of those truths may, we might need to change, but the fact of the matter is God's word is every bit as relevant today as it ever was. And so these next couple of weeks, we wanna kind of take a little break from our usual study and I wanna do a two week series really talking about more wisdom and wisdom of, of family. And so this week we're gonna look specifically at, at Proverbs primarily in Proverbs eight uh, and then a little time in Matthew seven and look at about what does the Bible teach about wisdom? And next week, we're gonna come back and we're gonna say, what specifically does it talk about as far as in parenting and building a family? And so let's begin with this week and really ask, okay, what is wisdom? And, and, and is it important? Why is it something that is important and worth talking about? Now, wisdom is something different than knowledge. It's not just education. You know, the fact of the matter is that we all know people who are very intelligent, very well-read, very well-educated, who are total fools, you know, that just don't know how life works and whose lives are a mess. And as an example of this, you know, I can think of even psych psychologists, professional counselors, who maybe as part of their profession, they counsel people. They, they maybe even speak on or write books about marriage or about relational issues. And then you get to know them and you look at their lives and they're speaking about marriage while they've been divorced multiple times. You say, okay, you have the knowledge, you have some facts, but you lack the wisdom either to look at, are your facts right? Or you lack the wisdom to know how to actually apply them because you look at your life and obviously it's not working. See, it's not just about education. It's about wisdom, something far deeper. And it's something that is extremely important. In fact, in Proverbs 4, it talks about the importance. It says this, get wisdom, get insight. Do not forget and do not turn away from the words of my mouth. It says, you know, get wisdom, it's vital. And it's only in wisdom do we get insight as far as how life works. 
And it's, and it's something that we don't just need at one point in time, but it says, do not forget. We need to continue to pursue this. In fact, it says, do not forsake her and she will keep you. Love her and she will guard you. We've got to realize that throughout our life, we need to pursue this wisdom. And if we do, she will guard you. She will guard the things that are most precious to you. And how do we get wisdom? Next verse, the beginning of wisdom is this, get wisdom. And whenever you, uh, whatever you get, get insight. And basically it's saying, do you want the beginning of wisdom? Acknowledge that you need it, that you don't have it, that we live in a culture where there's, there's something lacking. And it's this pursuit of wisdom, starting with our acknowledgement of that need is the beginning. He continues in the next verse, prize her highly and she will exalt you. She will honor you if you embrace her. And basically it's saying if we pursue wisdom and live by wisdom, then wisdom is going to exalt you. Wisdom will lift up our lives so that we will have the lives that we long for. It's worth their pursuit. Now, if you go a few pages over, this is Proverbs 4 to Proverbs 8, which we're gonna spend a good portion of our time this morning. Uh, Wisdom in Proverbs 8 is personified as a woman. And, And look at what, what wisdom says to us. And we start to see a little bit about what wisdom is. Proverbs 8, verse 10, take my instruction, this is wisdom speaking, instead of silver and knowledge rather than the choice gold, for wisdom is better than jewels and all that you may desire cannot compare with her. Now, basically wisdom is saying this, I'm more important than silver and more than gold than jewels. In fact, I'm more important than anything that you can desire. Now, how can wisdom say that, that it's more important, more valuable than all the wealth and the power and the fame in the world? Here's why. Because if you think about it, if we think in terms of wealth or circumstances, you can have someone who has all the fame, all the wealth, all the power, all the circumstances, and they lack wisdom and their life is broken and they're miserable. I just go out to Hollywood and you see lots of them. You know, they've got everything, all these things that you would value. Now, on the other hand, I know many people who don't have all the wealth and don't have the circumstances in life, and, and yet they have wisdom and their life is full and their right life is rich. What's more important? Wisdom. So when we say, okay, then what is wisdom? If it's that important, well, we already know it's more than just knowledge. It's not just education. So how do we define what wisdom is? Now let's continue in, in, in Proverbs 8 because he begins again speaking as a woman and, and in this, God is defining what wisdom is. Again, so wisdom is speaking out to us. In chapter eight, it continues in verse 12. I wisdom dwell with prudence and I find knowledge and discretion. So yes, there's a sense that it includes knowledge, but it's not just knowledge, it's also prudence, it's also discretion. It's basically saying it's not only knowledge, but it's the ability to live that out, to apply it to life. And so then it continues in verse 14, I have counsel and shown wisdom, I have insight and strength. It's not just I have education, I have counsel. I have the ability to be able to speak truth into what you're dealing with in life and the big decisions that you make. It's practical. It's a, not just knowledge, it's how life works. Another, uh, in James chapter three, it talks about wisdom, and I think it ties a lot of these things together. Look what it says in verse 13. Who is wise and understanding amongst you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in meekness of wisdom. And basically what it's saying, wisdom is not only more than knowledge, it's, it's knowledge that's applied to everyday life, and when we do this, the result will, by his conduct, we show it. Basically, the fruit of our life will show we have wisdom. 
And so the, wis- the wise person isn't the one who has all the knowledge. It's look at their life. Do they have the wisdom to apply knowledge? So basically, if we look at all these passages, let me give you a simple definition of wisdom. Wisdom is understanding truth and living according to what is true. It's understanding that truth, first of all, and then living according to what is, that, what is true. So first, we start by understanding. It's understanding what truth is, a right understanding of truth. And truth is what reality is. See, it's not only looking at this in education, it's understanding what really is about life and living according to that reality. And when we understand this, according to the Bible, truth isn't a matter of opinion. It isn't what you think or what I think. It's not our opinion. It's not defined by our culture. It's defined by what reality is. And God has t- it tells us basically that when he created the world, he wove into the fabric of the world this reality so that it, it not only it works in a certain way, but because this reality is woven in, there are consequences, positive consequences to living by wisdom, by living to, according to what's true. And there's negative consequences when we ignore that or live a, not when our life isn't aligned with what's true. It's built into creation. It's timeless and thus it's unchanging. Now we live in a world where we talk about, you know, things are changing. Oh, here's the new truth and here's, no, the Bible says that it's unchanging. It's, the Bible talks about the truth and its concept of, you know, it's being something that is absolute. Now when I talk about absolute truth, what I mean is that it's something that is outside of time. It's outside of our culture. It's not shaped by our culture or by our time. Since it's outside of time and culture, it, it doesn't change, it can't be changed. It's something that is absolutely true, meaning it's always true for all people, for all times, even as culture changes, this truth doesn't change. And it's not just a matter of because I believe it, it's true whether I believe it or not. And so living in wisdom means that I understand what is true, how life really works, and then I live according to that truth. On the other hand, if I live in foolishness, what am I doing? I'm, I'm living in a way that isn't in line with what really is true about life. Or I don't, I don't um, you know, I might believe the wrong things or, or I might not live according to that. Now, absolute truth is kind of something that a lot of people stumble over. But, but in many other areas of life, we understand that. So let's take math, all right? Do you know that in math, we all understand that truth is absolute? Two plus two equals four. That's not a cultural thing. It's not, it doesn't change. It's not about your belief or opinion. You know, if, if people believe something else, it, it won't change it. Two plus two will always equal four. Um, or I could take the example of engineering and, and architecture. And so when you think about building a building, we're in the process of doing a significant renovation downstairs in that part of the building. And, and we've taken out some walls and we're trying to create a big open space for a children's ministry. And so we're excited about how that's gonna, you know, create new opportunities for a kids ministry as we continue to grow. But in that, we brought in an engineer and an architect to look at it because we knew we were tearing down these walls. And it wasn't like, oh, we tear down these walls. Well, we have to ask, or there's walls holding something up. There's a gym right below, above it. And, and I can't say, well, no, it's a matter of opinion. Well, personally, I think that the gym floor doesn't need those walls. That's my opinion. When you sit there and you say, well, no, you shouldn't make a decision that way. Well, you know, you know, we took a vote and we all agreed that in the culture of our staff, we shouldn't spend the money on that. Let's just tear down the walls. You think that'd be foolish. Why? Because there's truth. 
There's truth about the way a building is built and you have an engineer who isn't giving their opinion. They're actually looking at things, measuring, okay, what is load bearing? And they tell us, okay, well, if you tear down the walls, you have to put in this you know, support beam. That's well, part of what the renovation is. And that's being wise. Now, you know what I find really interesting is that there are people that understand truth when it comes to math or engineering, that it's absolute. But yet, if I speak about spiritual or moral issues and I say, well, this is absolute truth, how dare you? They're offended. You know, no, no, when we talk about those things, we want to, no, truth is relative. Meaning I get to decide my own truth. This is what's true for me. This is what's true for you. And, and you have to affirm my truth. I'll affirm your truth. And, and our believing it makes it true. My friends, don't you understand how, how silly, how foolish it would be if, if we built a building that way or if we did our math that way? All truth is absolute by its very nature. There's only one truth. It's God's truth. And again, what the Bible calls us to in wisdom is to try to understand that truth, to align ourselves with it. But, it. but it means that we understand what is that source. And if we understand the source of the truth, we'll understand the, the, the nature of it. See, again, many people see truth as something that evolves. You know, truth and morality is something that, that doesn't exist outside of us. We have created that. And so as we change, we can change it. It's, it's basically built on an evolutionary philosophy of life. According to evolution, our biology has no design. There's no intrinsic design. We are just the product of accident, of nature and chance, and, and, and we're evolving, we're, we're getting better. And so then people take that idea and say, well, that's not only true of biology, it's true of morality, it's true of wisdom, of truth. And, and so there is no design, there is no truth outside of us. We, we've created all this by chance and, and, and we think that we're getting better and that people talk about truth and morality in those terms. But my friends, that's not only not what the Bible teaches. I'm gonna make a statement here and I know I'm not backing it up, but I would glad to if we had more time in a different setting. That's not what science teaches. That's not what history teaches. That's not what social science teaches. All the evidence of all those things say that that view is false. No, there is one truth. We are created by God and in creation, God designed not us only biologically, but he designed the fabric of morality and of wisdom itself. Actually, this wisdom is even a reflection of God's character. It's not just even things that God made up, it's actually who he is. Why is it wrong to kill someone? We all know that, right? Why? Well, it's a reflection of God's character. God created life, God honors life, and he calls us to honor life. He tells us to tell the truth because his character is, he's a truth teller. He calls us to be faithful into relationships and says that adultery is wrong. Why? Because he is faithful. That's a description of his nature. Even something as basic as forgiving people. You know, why do we have to forgive? The Bible calls us to forgive, why? Well, here's what you realize. That's God's nature, that God is a gracious, forgiving God. And he says, okay, now I've forgiven you, now I call you to forgive, why? Because what he's saying is that's who you are designed to be. You're designed to be like me. And when you don't forgive other people, what you're doing is you're not only violating my character, you're violating your design. You're operating in a way that's different than who you're designed to be. And when you do that, you start to have problems. You start to break down. So what happens if I don't forgive? I hold on to anger. Physically, when you have 
unresolved problems, unresolved anger, you start to have physical problems. You have sickness, you have all kinds of problems physically. And that's not let alone to take, if you have unresolved problems, it's gonna break your relationships, it's gonna break your peace, it's gonna have multiple impact. But because God has created us this way and we're called to, to live according to his truth, to who he is. That's why the Bible so often speaks of wisdom in terms of, of, of knowing God, submitting to him, of, of in a sense fearing him. It talks about that in Proverbs 3. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding and all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. He is the source of that wisdom. So it's not only a source of his character, but then it's this, this character that he literally weaves into creation itself, like on a fabric of creation. In fact, we understand this with physical laws, but he, in creation, weaves not only physical laws, but also moral laws into that reality. Okay, let's think about physical laws. We understand those, those are easy for us. We have laws like gravity that are part of creation, and, and what does it mean? It's, it's a law, meaning regardless of what you think about them, regardless of what you feel, it's always true. And uh, in the same way, God has knit moral laws into reality. And in the same way, they're always true. They're part of, of how life works. In fact, let me show you how Proverbs 8 specifically says that this is something that goes all the way back to the, you know, the creation, the, the fabric of the way the world works. Proverbs 8, 22. This is again wisdom speaking. The Lord possessed me at the beginning of his work, the first of his acts of old, Ages ago, I was set up from the first before the beginning of the earth. So he's saying, no, God had me in the very beginning. God was weaving me in before he did anything else in creation. Wisdom is a big part of that. Uh, when there were no depths, I was brought forth. When there were no springs abounding with water, before the mountains had been shaped, before the hills, I was brought forth. Uh, when I was uh, beside him like a master workman and I was da his daily delight, rejoicing before him, always rejoicing in his inhabited world and delighting in the children of men. And basically the idea here is that this is a part of who we're designed to be, that God has put this in from the very structure of the world. It's, it, it's, you know, it's the way that the world works. It's literally woven into the fabric of, of, the, of things. Now, when we think about moral law, it's not just a matter of right and wrong. It's not, well, God says this is right. And this is. When you understand this, what you're saying, it's, it's literally saying this is the way that the world works. And that helps us understand wisdom. The more we align with what works, the healthier we'll be. Now, to help us understand this, think again in terms of physical laws. Again, we understand the physical laws, the physical laws that are woven into, into, into creation. So we know that there are things that, that are, again, they're not just God made up, they're literally truths. And, and you know, what we believe about them, what, you know, it's not like the government made them up. No, these things are true and they're always true in all contexts. You can, in a sense, try to break it, but the fact of the matter is you can't ignore it. And if you go against it, it's always gonna sense, sense that the physical laws are gonna break you, there's a consequence. So think about the law of gravity, for example. You know, we think of Newton discovering the law of gravity and the apple and, and um, now the fact is that gravity always works. If I throw something up in the air, it's gonna fall down. And part of that means is that if I have like a glass container, I throw it up in the air, it's gonna fall down and it's gonna break. There's a consequence of gravity. I've gotta be careful with things that can break easily. Or even if I don't believe in gravity. You know, let's say that I both, man, I'm Superman. 
and I, gravity doesn't impact me. And so I'm going to go to the you know, terminal tower up in Cleveland and I'm going to wear my super suit and I'm gonna jump off because gravity doesn't impact me. And, and that's why they would call it the terminal tower because that's where I'd end up. You know, the fact of the matter is gravity does impact me. I'm gonna fall, I'm gonna face the consequences. Or let's take again, Newton, he had the, the law of uh, motion. And so you think about, let's say a car, I'm driving in a car, a high rate of speed, I'm going 60 miles an hour. Now let's say if I run into a, a stationary object, a wall, now the consequences are clear. You know, I'm gonna get thrown out there, the car stops, I don't stop. I, I didn't make up these pictures, this is actually from a website that was trying to teach motion about why we should wear seat belts. And, and, uh, but you look at that and you say, we understand that that that's not, me not believing in it isn't gonna change the effect of driving a car into a wall at 60 miles an hour. Or another law that deals with, with uh, nature or with agriculture, the law of sowing and reaping. You know, it's the other way of planting and harvesting and it's what do you get, whatever you plant. If you plant, you know, wheat seeds, you're gonna get wheat. You know, if you plant corn seeds, you don't wait until the end of the year. I wonder what's gonna come up. This is gonna be a surprise. No, you know, if you plant corn, you're gonna get corn. On the other hand, if you, have a field, you don't plant anything, guess what you're harvesting at the end of the year? Nothing. If you, you, know, if you, if you harvest a field well, if you plant, you're gonna have a full harvest at the end of the year. Now, here's what we need to realize. It's a law that is an agricultural physical law that works in many areas of life as wisdom. Okay, so sowing and, you know, uh, sowing and reaping. What happens if you go out and eat junk food for a year? You're sowing something and the result will, you're gonna gain weight, you're gonna, you're gonna become less healthy. You have a natural result of what you reap. Or as a student, you know, if you, if you say, well, okay, I'm gonna goof off and you don't do your homework at all, you're gonna reap bad grades. If you do your homework, if you work hard, you're gonna reap good grades, that's a natural result. And here's what the Bible is teaching, is the physical rule, the physical laws, and the spiritual laws are, work the same way. They both are truths that God has built into the world and, and they're literally in the fabric of the world and so that if we ignore them, there's consequences. In fact, take this law of sowing and reaping. The Bible explicitly draws this one out in the book of Galatians. Look what it says, do not be deceived. God is not mocked for whatever one sows that he will also reap. It's basically saying, don't be mocked. This is a law, this is works, it always works. Now. When we look at the physical laws, we can see that. Spiritual, we, because it's not all the way, you know, we, we may not see that, we may ignore it, we may not think it doesn't apply to us. But what does the Bible say? No, don't be mocked, it does. You cannot get away from this. Why, because what wisdom is, is it's just simply defining what is true and how life works. That's what wisdom is. It's not defined by my opinion, it's defined by what reality is. And this reality is built into the fabric of the, of, the, of the world. And in that, there are positive consequences for living according to it. There are negative consequences, natural negative consequences for breaking it. Now, when we talk about a law, it's not that God is a judge that's sitting there saying, well, if you break the law, I'm just waiting to get you. No, is God waiting for me to get me if I jump off a tower? No, it's a natural consequence. And that's what he's talking about here. He's, and in Proverbs, he's promising us blessings if we live according to the truth. And he's also warning us against, you know, about, you know, about harm if we ignore the truth. Let's go back to Proverbs 8. It says this. 
Now, O sons, listen to me. Blessed are those who keep my ways. Hear instruction and be wise and do not neglect it. So it's calling us to be able to listen to this. Don't, you know, blessed is the one who listens to me, watching daily at my gates, waiting beside my door. So there's a blessing if we listen to wisdom. There's a promise that's here. He continues, whoever finds me finds life and obtains favor from the Lord. But whoever fails to fight, find me injures himself and all who hate, um, hate me loves death. And basically it's saying, this is what we choose. This is God getting after us. If I, if I fail to do that, I'm to my own harm. It's like jumping off, again, the terminal tower. He's basically saying he's woven these into, into creation and wisdom then affirms the truth of these laws and it affirms the effects of breaking them or keeping them the positive blessings of keeping them, and it's affirming the negative effects of breaking them. These are things that are, again, built into. And whether we like them, whether we know, believe in it or not, whether we understand it. I think back in the 18, late 1800s, they were developing germ theory. And uh, so in this, they were finding that people were dying in surgery and all the time, because they didn't know that there were germs. They would never wash their hands. They wouldn't clean instruments between surgeries. And some doctors started to develop germ theory and said, you need to wash your hands. And a lot of doctors said, oh, that's junk. And they, and they continued to just not wash their even instruments. You would just go from one thing. Actually, they, you know, they were, where they started to find it, they had you know, uh, moms who had new babies and they were dying at a very high rate. Well, usually often doctors were coming from uh, the autopsy room and they just cut up an autopsy and they never, never thought even changing their clothes, washing their hands. And there might be a problem. We understand that now. They didn't know that. Now, did the lack of knowledge stop the germs from killing them? No. And that's what we need to realize. This is true whether we believe it or not, whether we know it or not. But then God gives us this for those of us that struggle, because we all do, not as a condemnation for where we struggled, where we've messed up, what we don't know, but as a warning and also as an invitation. In fact, let me show you this from, I mentioned we were gonna spend some time in Proverbs and then wrap up in, in Matthew 7. So let me go there, Matthew 7. And this is Jesus at the end of the Sermon on the Mount. And he's speaking about everything that he's taught in the Sermon on the Mount. And he uses wisdom to kind of describe what it means using this idea of truth that has consequences, good and bad. So he says, Matthew 7, 24, everyone who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And so here's the promise. If we live according to the truth, there will be blessings, that we will have a solid life, but there's also a warning. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell and great was the fall of it. And he's basically saying, now if we don't do this, there will be consequences. Now, let's even going back to the natural consequences because we stumble, stumble over that, but let me go back and even try to illustrate it again outside of biblical morality. Think about this, when you buy a product, pretty much anything you buy now has some kind of warning labels, right? You know, use it this way, don't use it this way. Uh, some are really interesting. Uh, I, you know, I found this warning label I thought was really interesting. It was on a, a man's shirt, and it's, here's all the instructions of how to wash it, and then it says, or you could just give it to your wife. You know, it's just kind of like, okay, if you don't know what you're doing, I'm pretty sure, I'm, I'm not sure who wrote, did that one, if he still has his job. And uh, some, you know, you're like, what were they thinking? 
Uh, this is a page from a flyer advertising a children's bicycle, a real warning label, and, and look what it says here. But I had trouble on this slide last time too. If you could advance it, then oh, it went one too far again. I'll just skip that one and just go to stay on this one. Okay, so here's a, 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 a hair dryer. Okay, the instructions for here, it's not real clear. It's, it's directions for use, do not use while sleeping. Okay, now who dries their hair while sleeping? Okay, I'm not really sure of that. I, the, 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 the best one, you can't read this one, but it, this is real, it's just on a washing machine. This is, I think, the best warning label that I, I ran across. And, um, and the washing machine, again, it's not coming up here, so you can't read it anyhow. But it's a warning on the outside of the washing machine. It literally reads, do not put any person in this washer. Now, I have to wonder, who thought that was necessary? Is it something that, you know, you have in that, you know, mom looking at that and saying, my kids have been out walking, you know, playing, and they got all dirty, and, and the clothes are dirty, so why don't we just save time and throw them and the clothes in the washer at the same time and just save time, you know, but that sounds like a great idea. I'm not sure who, um, but most of you, you look, some of them are crazy, but then you get to most of the warning labels are really things that are, are Again, declarations of wisdom, not condemnation. They're just basically saying, here's how things work. And you take that for granted. So for example, okay, I've got some squeaky doors, so I get some WD-40. A lot of us have used this before. Now, if you look at that, it's got a bunch of, not only instructions, but a lot of warnings on the back. And one of the warnings right here, right on the back, you know, it says, do not take internally. Now, what it's saying here is, okay, well, you don't want me to take this and, you know, put the red spot, you know, thing and spray it in my mouth or spray it in my eyes and, and it, it, I'm not supposed to do that. Now, what if you thought if I would respond to that, if I'm reading that and I'm saying, man, I can't believe how legalistic they are. I want to prove that I'm free. I want to pre-prove that I have freedom and I can do whatever I want. And who are you to tell me then judge me by saying that I shouldn't spray it in my eyes? You know, what a judging company that is. That's, you know, who put you in charge of my life? And you're like, Mike, that's kind of absurd. That's crazy. It's, well, yeah, you know that you have a manufacturer that is warning you of something. Do I have the freedom to spray it in my eyes? Yeah, it would be really foolish to do it. Be dumb to do it because it's inconsistent with the design, it's inconsistent with what's true. And what we need to realize is that in the same way, that's what wisdom is. God is our manufacturer. God is the one who's put us together and he's given us in his word, here's how to build life right. Here's warnings about, you know, this is brand in your eyes. These are things that if you do it, it's gonna cause harm. These are, this is wisdom. And he's saying that there are, there are positive things. Or, you know, you look at it, if you get a blow dryer, and well, I, I don't have one, but my wife has one, you know, but if I think about the blow dryer and, and, and it's got there on the big things, you know, don't take into water, don't take into the shower. Okay, well, what if I, again, say, I want to do that. I want to, I'm free to do that, but it's going to be my last shower. You know, it's just, it, it's not designed to work that way. Electricity and water don't go together. And so we have to say sooner or later, we look at this and we understand this is wisdom and life is better if I follow the directions in the same way God's telling us, yeah, you can do whatever you want. You can take the blow dry in the shower. You can spray the WT-40. And, you know, and who are you to judge? Well, no, that's God not judging us. That's, that's just speaking truth that is for our benefit, not as a condemnation, but as a warning, as an invitation. Now, there are some people might say, you hear me, your pastor say, well, here's, you know, the Bible says this, and well, I disagree with that. I don't like that. You know, that's why we always say open the Bible, see what we're saying, because all the points that I'm saying 
They're not my opinion. I try to be faithful to what God said. If this is God's word, it's God's truth. The Bible's God breathed. And so this is God's wisdom, truth that transcends time and culture. He's our manufacturer and more than that, he's our father. And so he gives us these truths for our good. And out of this, he's telling us that there are unescapable consequences of the truth. And let's go back to that whole thing of, of the, you know, the Matthew 7 and the, of God is building the house and the sand and the foundation. The fact of the matter is, is that you can choose to build a house wherever you want. You have the freedom to choose a house, to build a house on sand. And, and that's what Jesus is saying. In our life, we have the freedom to disregard his word, to do whatever we want, but it's like building a house on sand. And it's not that God is out to get us, but he's saying if you do that, trouble's gonna come. Why? Because storms will always come in life. We're gonna have difficulty and turmoil and family members gonna get sick, you're gonna have trouble. In parenting, which we're gonna really focus on next week, the storms are always there. We're raising our kids in the context of incredible storms and we say, how do we handle that? And the fact of the matter is, is that if we build on the wrong foundation, whatever we're trying to build isn't gonna stand. It, that's just wisdom, that's, we're not building on truth, it doesn't work. And so we need to say, we're paying attention to the foundation that we're building on. Some, some people will come up and say, well, I have this problem and I made this mistake and, and my life's falling apart and, and give me a good foundation so I can put it all together. And, and the hard part we're gonna see even with wisdom is this, Sometimes we do that and, and we can't go back and fix it. All we can do is to say, okay, how do I start to rebuild? How do I get a new foundation? But I can't undo the damage that's done. These are God's, God's word of glory, of, of grace and, and invitation. And so let me ask you just two questions in closing. The f- first one is what kind of life do you wanna build? What, what's most important to your life? And going back to even what it talked about in the beginning of Proverbs 8, you know, okay, are you, is it all about wisdom, wealth? Is it about fame? Is it about glory? Is it about these things? Or, or do you realize that, no, what I really want is, I want to be a person that has relationships, that has love, that has peace, that has, that, you know, that has joy in life. The things that are most significant. That's success. Find people that have that kind of success. What you're going to find is they're not people that are lucky in the lottery of life. They're people that have wisdom. So not only know what kind of life you want, but the more important question is, what foundation is your life being built on? Because you can have all the advantages, everything go great in life. You could have you know, you know, you know, this uh, career advancement, you can have your kids are super smart, and you can have all these things that go so well in life. And if you lack wisdom, what's gonna happen is your life's gonna be a mess, the storm's gonna come, And if your house is built on sand, it will not stand. That's just truth. That's the way that God has built the world. And on the other hand, you may not have all those things. But if you have wisdom, you realize those things are nice, but they're not what matters the most. What foundation is your life being built upon? Next week, we're gonna look at that specifically about even especially as parents and grandparents not only what are we building on, but what are we teaching our children to build on? What is wisdom for that? Now, there may be some that you said, and I realize my life is a mess and, and it's falling apart and I'm trying to hold it together. Well, again, here's where I wanna encourage you. God's, word is, are not, God's words are not words of condemnation, the words of, of warning and invitation. 
And you say, okay, if that's there, then, then what do I need to do? I need to pray to God. I need to ask God, I need your forgiveness. I need your grace. And it doesn't mean that he's gonna fix all the effects of anything that has happened. But you know what I can do is I can say, from here on in, I'm gonna start to build on the right foundation. And it's, I've seen beautiful things. I spent time, you know, just even recently of people where I've seen incredible brokenness in relationships, brokenness in families, and God has put them together. And it's like, yeah, there were some scars in the past, but what is being built is being beautiful. And are you willing to come to God and say, God, I need you. I need your wisdom. I need a relationship with you. And for others, it may be that we realize, okay, as, even if I have that, okay, am I really building on God's word? Not only what I know, so it's not that I've gone, I've, I've learned these things, that I've memorized these verses or I know what I'm supposed to do. But wisdom is applying it. and saying, this is what this looks like in real life. And one of the things that we're hoping to do even more, and we're gonna talk about next week some as well, is that, you know, sometimes it's even, how do I do that? And how do I find other people that are maybe further along that path? And find that parent that says, how do I do this? And having a community, we can support each other because wisdom is worth pursuing. It is more precious than gold, than, than precious gems, than all the things that we would desire. Because no matter what the circumstances, if we have God's wisdom, if we're building on his truth, then we're building a life that's not only gonna stand the test of time, but that's gonna know his blessings. And that is it for this week's message. If you have a question about the message, Community Church, or Jesus Christ, send us a text to 330-400-3242. You can learn more about our events and community groups online at ccpl.life connect. There, you can also send in a prayer request. We would love to pray for you. Have a blessed Lord's Day, and we'll see you next week.